This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Well, this is Eric Holmquist, and I'm here to provide a little bit of a a recap of the session that I just presented here at the RMA Annual Risk Conference around business resiliency, Uh, looking at resiliency through a lens of enterprise risk management and how we you know, use some of the tools we have around risk management to be more effective in how we think about topics that can be disruptive to our world. I mean, we've always said strong risk management is critical to be able to navigate both calm and stormy waters. But the reality is our industry is changing. And if we look at a lot of the emerging and disruptive uh, influences uh, within our industry, it's really become important that we have a strong risk management program, framework, practices, to really help us navigate these changes. I mean, forewarned is forearmed, and the key really is in preparation in terms of how we can respond to events that do impact our world. So within this session, uh, we talked a little bit about just strong risk management practices, the idea of a, a good, strong governance structure, good communication, clarity of roles, uh, clear definition around risk appetite, risk-taking strategy, etc. Uh, as well as some of the tools that we use in the trade, risk assessments, risk monitoring, risk reporting. These same tools apply just as much to how we avoid an event, prepare for an event, as well as how we possibly respond to an event. Now, we talked about five areas that are sort of emerging and disruptive within our world and to which we really need to think long and hard about how we prepare and, frankly, how we respond. Uh, One being cybersecurity. It's one of the biggest areas right now within the industry, something on everybody's lips. Uh, And it's a risk that is certainly pervasive everywhere because every company has to use confidential information. And as part of using that information, it's going to be visible to people and it could be exposed. And certainly while every institution is going to go to great lengths to put protections in place to try and prevent an exposure to information, uh, the simple fact is is that there's a lot of very well-funded organizations and individuals out there working very actively to compromise every institution. So a key is being able to respond quickly. Uh, Something were to happen, the question is, you know, do you really have role clarity? Do you know who's going to be responsible for communication with media, regulators, uh, uh, law enforcement, customers, et cetera? Uh, Key, have you done desktop exercises with your executives, with your control groups that really starts with the idea that our data has been compromised? Unfortunately, we still see a large percentage of organizations that really haven't stopped and thought this through and really talked through what that first 24 hours would look like. And finally, really defining risk appetite. And I know that seems kind of strange when we talk about data exposure, but the reality is you're going to have to make decisions about the level of spend you do to mitigate an event. And at some point, you have to say we've done all that we can reasonably do and then be able to respond if something, God forbid, should happen. The second area was natural disasters. Now, obviously, these are going to happen. There's nothing we can do to prevent them, and depending on what geography you live in, you may be subject to different kinds of threats. One of the key things around this, because obviously a lot of it is just being able to respond as an event happens, but in terms of risk management, the way a risk manager looks at this is really asking ourselves, what are our assumptions about how we would respond? And this is where sometimes things tend to fall apart. And when we ask people, what do you assume about your provisioning, uh, your uh, protections for people, your ability to communicate, we often find the assumptions are either not very well thought out or sometimes just spectacularly ignorant. Uh, 
Communication continues to be one of the biggest challenges in response to major natural disasters. How do we get in touch with our people? Uh, again, something you need to have thought through. How will we operate when we're on limited staff, when some people simply may not be available? How are we going to care for our people? We might need some grief counseling if you know, people have been deeply affected by some of these events. So again, sometimes we tend to focus a bit too much on just the technology aspects without really considering all of the human component and the operational component. The next area is cybersecurity, blockchain, this whole sort of virtual currency space. Uh, we find that our clients tend to really bifurcate between those that find it sort of intriguing and could be significant to our industry and others that say, no, nope, it's just a fad, it's not going to go anywhere. I don't know, truth is in the middle there somewhere. And what we would say is, you know, don't dismiss this area. Uh, whether or not a separate virtual currency that runs alongside our, our sovereign national currency, that remains to be seen. Uh, that has some serious headwinds. However, the underlying technologies that are being used to support these are actually quite interesting and are causing some significant reevaluation of our whole payments infrastructure. So you know, whether it's the blockchain itself or something that's built on a similar consensus-type uh, payments model, I think we're going to see some dramatic changes in how we think about payments in our industry, and this is something worth watching. The idea of a blockchain is, is proving to be a very viable way of recording certain types of transactions, whether that's monetary or not. So again, this isn't something that I would jump to right away, but I would definitely be watching it to see how could we use this as an opportunity for us. Now, this plays to a larger conversation about fintech in general. We see a lot of emerging companies in some cases, just doing better, faster, cheaper, and I think that's certainly worth exploiting. Uh, in other cases, quite frankly, coming out with new ability to compete with banks in ways we've never really seen before, and they're getting good at it. So I think for institutions, again, this is one where you have to be very honest, you really have to keep your eyes open, be doing a lot of uh, due diligence, monitoring the market, and sort of determining of these emerging companies, which one might we be able to exploit to help us in being able to deliver either different products, new products, or our existing product set, you know, better and faster than we're doing today, as well as watching for what part of this industry could be competing with us and how might we need to defend against that. Uh, as you consider companies that you might want to use, I mean, due diligence becomes critical because there's a lot of companies out there that are offering a pretty interesting product, but right now their focus is really speed to market and are they really prepared to manage risk and compliance to the same level of diligence that a bank would require. Again, emerging spaces, interesting opportunities. We should definitely be keeping our eye on these, but proceed with caution. And finally, we talked about human capital management. And obviously, succession planning and using uh, uh, employees effectively is always an important thing. But you know, with this next generation of, of millennials that are coming into the workforce, we want to be thoughtful about how we integrate them into our working environment, and they definitely have a certain sort of ethos about them, and some of the things that we've seen is, you know, one, they, they really want mentoring. They want to be able to learn from others, and it's really important to, to match them up with more senior people that can help them come along, help them develop, understand career opportunities, and what it is that they need to do to be able to advance within the company. Uh, the fact is, is they, they need to understand both what their opportunities are and what's expected of them. You know, they want to feel like they're part of something and providing information about where the company's going, what it's about, how do we serve is going to go a long way to help them feel like they are part of something. 
So again, these were some broad points on some of the areas that you know, we're seeing as sort of disruptive elements with our industry. Really the key thing here is, again, good, solid, fundamental risk management principles, which is really getting clarity around what's the level of risk we want to take as an institution? Have we built the systems in place to be able to really identify, assess those risks, and do we really understand them, or do we just think we understand them? Do we have the proper controls in place, and, and not just for the things that influence today, but some of these items that are sort of emerging risks, emerging areas, you know, how would we mitigate some of these if we did adopt some of these newer technologies? And do we have the right level of risk monitoring in place? What's changing, and how could those change, changes affect us? So in the end of the day, you know, we have some consensus about, you know, are we taking the level of risk that we feel is appropriate for our institution and getting compensated accordingly? These are evolving spaces, and you know, we just keep adapting as we go. Uh, this is part of what we do as part of CAPCO. We work with uh, institutions to help strengthen their risk and compliance programs. And at the end of the day, there is a no one-size-fits-all. It's about really looking and see what's the appropriate approach for each institution and how they can use their resources most effectively. Thank you very much.